This is The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, The Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Hello out there, Michigan radio land. Boy, was there a lot going on in Michigan politics and government this week, and I wish we could go through it all, uh, including the resignation of former Governor John Engler as interim president of Michigan State University. But we don't have time for that because we've got an important guest on the show in this first opening segment, and he is Senator Mike McDonald, Michael D. McDonald, welcome to the Political Insider. Uh, good morning, Bill. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Senator McDonald, I believe, and he can correct me, I think he is the only Republican senator uh, not with any legislative experience. All the other incoming freshman senators, uh, Republicans at least, uh, have experience usually in the state house uh, coming in. But Senator McDonald came out of nowhere to shock the political world and win the 10th district seat, which is in Macomb County. He represents Sterling Heights, Macomb Township, and a major part of Clinton Township. Is that correct, Senator McDonald? Yeah, that that is correct. I am the only Republican legislator without any uh, political experience. There are quite a few on the uh, Democrat side. Right. Uh, that, right. that don't have it. And uh, the Clinton Township, that would be northern Clinton Township, so anything north of 16-mile road. Right. Well, you know, that could be a good thing, Senator. <laughs> we need some people <laughs> who are fresh blood, new blood in the legislature. That's what the public is saying. And by the way, Senator McDonald got his committee assignments this week, and he uh, landed some big ones. He's on the Appropriations Committee, the major committee. Uh, as I understand it, he's vice chair on the Licensing and Regulatory Affairs Subcommittee. He's a member of the subcommittees on uh, transportation, universities and community colleges, and community health and human services. He also uh, is serving on the Senate Oversight Committee and the Senate Health Policy and Human Services Committees. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. I uh, couldn't be more honored to, to have gotten the committee assignments that I did. That's fantastic uh, beginning. Uh, let me just ask you, how did you come to run for the state Senate in the first place? Uh, what got you into this? We, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, you know, I had been doing a doctoral degree in uh, healthcare administration with the uh, goal of becoming the uh, chief executive officer of a hospital. Uh, a lot of my classmates were already CEOs of hospitals, uh, I had done my uh, doctoral residencies in Washington, D.C., and that's where we'd all connect and we'd meet and we'd, we'd work on uh, collaborative um, assignments to get through the doctoral program. And a lot of them thought that I might serve the people better as a legislator because of how passionate I was about preventative health care. Uh, I was also an exercise uh, scientist and a personal trainer, and my dissertation was on obesity, uh, specifically female obesity. So I've always had this strong passion to, to actually get some something done. And, you know, this is not uh, an offensive thing to be in a CEO of a hospital, but your job in that capacity is to make money for the hospital, uh, not necessarily to pass uh, laws or to help people with preventative health care. 
So they kind of planted the seed with me to become a legislator one day, and this was back in 2009. And I, I kind of had a good way of working on both sides of the aisle because it really, for me, it was about the greater sense of, of just getting the public to understand the importance of preventive health care. And over the years, I got involved with political circles, and, you know, everyone kind of knew who I was. Uh, the doctoral degree took quite a long time to finish, though. It, it took six years after my master's degree to finish it. So I didn't finish till 2015. So it was at that point I approached a fellow De La Salle alum, Pete Lacido, got to know him very well. Uh, he had floated my name out to the Senate Republicans, who then got the chance to meet me. And uh, after that, it was just about getting out, working, knocking doors, and, uh, and that's kind of how this came to be. Well, congratulations. Uh, you won uh, a victory for an open seat, uh, formerly represented, I believe, for the last eight years by State Senator Tory Rocca, who is term limited. Uh, but for you to win this uh, in what is a very marginal district was quite an accomplishment. Let me just ask you one thing, and that is, I think I'm safe in saying you are probably the only person in the history of Michigan politics and government to serve in the state Senate with a PhD in female obesity. I mean, really, seriously. Uh, and will you explain briefly why it is so difficult for women to lose weight? Wasn't that one of the conclusions of your thesis and how they can overcome that? Well, yeah, I'll give you a, a quick a brief overview on how I got to doing that study. Uh, as a personal trainer, the population group I had a difficult time with were actually uh, younger-ish uh, females who had always been uh, or had trouble uh, early on to that point losing weight. I had a hard time motivating them psychologically. So I had decided that the study I wanted to do, which turned into an interpretive phenomenological analysis, uh, was to find women who had been obese their whole life but then got fit because I was more interested in figuring out, well, how did those women come to achieve that where I had struggled motivating the ones that were seeking me out as a personal trainer? So, it, you know, it, it took quite a long time to find these women. I had uh, asked for the help of the Detroit YMCA. Uh, there was about 11 to 15 satellite sites, and I had signed a uh, premise recruitment form, uh, worked with their trainers, worked with their directors, even presented in front of their board, to find these women, and even after a year, I only found 11 of them, uh, which was the requirement for the Institutional Review Board to do the study. Uh, what I'd found in my interviews, which were extensive interviews, you know, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour-long interviews, is that there was a common, a shared commonality with all the women, how they got fit. And a lot of it is, is just as much psychological as it is physiological. Uh, what they had done was created self-policing mechanisms in their brain that would not allow them not to eat healthy and exercise. Uh, the way they were able to do this was there were three components to it. Uh, the first one is it took an extreme negative trigger, uh, either a death scare, uh, ridicule beyond you know regular traumatic, uh, an ex regular traumatic experience, something that really pushed them and kickstarted them into uh, some kind of action, whether it be eating healthier or exercising. Uh, but then it took an extremely long amount of uh, time of, of positive motivators compliments, feeling good about yourself, uh, feeling healthy, uh, and then combining that with an exercise prescription, a regimen, something a personal trainer would help you with or, or an exercise physiologist, 
those three components after a, a prolonged period of time could range anywhere from years even created eventually a self-policing mechanism in their brain that would not allow them not to work out or exercise. Uh, part of it was the fear of regressing back to the feelings, the negative feelings they had. Uh, part of it was just the great experiences of the positive motivators coupled with the regimen that now is unbreakable. Uh, that little police officer in their brain basically makes them adherent to exercise now going forward. And the question is, how do we now incorporate that into uh, preventative care programs? And that's something uh, I'm going to be working with my fellow senators, uh, particularly Dr. Bizon, on uh, something that maybe we can ingratiate into our health care systems. Yeah, John Bizon is also a freshman senator after serving two terms in the state house. So at least you got some help there, right? Uh, yes, uh, Dr. Bizon and I are, are very much wanting to work together on uh, a lot of these issues, and he has a tremendous amount of uh, health care experience. Uh, he's also in the Air Force, which, uh, you know, luckily for me, I, I also became the vice president of the Air Force Association, so I have the utmost respect uh, for Dr. Bizon. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, the Air Force Association and also uh, your idea for making uh, Michigan the Cape Canaveral of the North. We're, we're going to get into that in a minute, but... Uh, We're going to take a short break here, and we will be right back with Senator Mike McDonald of the 10th District in Macomb County. Uh, Lots more to talk about. Listening to the Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MDN. Here's Bill. We are back with Senator Mike McDonald, a freshman senator, Republican from the 10th District in Macomb County. Uh, I was asking him, what is the Air Force Association? So the Air Force Association, uh, the slogan is the force behind the force. So to compare it to, like, other uh, lobbying or, I should say, advocacy groups for um, the military, like AUSA, which is the Association of the United States Army, uh, what we're trying to do is advocate for a strong defense and and air force. Well, hasn't that led you into your idea about how Michigan could become the Cape Canaveral of the North, or maybe even bigger than that? I don't know. Just tell, tell us about it. Yes, uh, being in the Air Force Association, or the, or the vice president has, uh, you know, I, I communicate pretty regularly with our president who communicates with Washington, D.C. Uh, to give you an understanding of the scope of the Air Force Association, uh, we actually have a, a government think tank called the Mitchell Institute, which is uh, the dean of that is General Deptula, who's a three-star general. And uh, he, he's the go-to for Congress when it comes to any understanding of aerospace or the Air Force. Uh, So this is, uh, you know, obviously I'm lucky to have access to this kind of information. Uh, You know, I even get correspondences from the Secretary of the Air Force. And the feeling in what we're trying to get the Secretary of the Air Force and the Air Force to understand is uh, the idea of this aerospace initiatives from Michigan. Uh, Michigan has a lot of leverage to get this. 
And the Pentagon just came out yesterday and said that their number one priority is going to be low-Earth orbit satellites. So to give you an understanding of this, there are no shortage of companies that are building these satellites. What there's a shortage of is facilities to launch these satellites. So whatever state were to get this, and there are a few that already have it, there's going to be a lot more throwing their hat in the ring now that this has come out from the Pentagon. Uh, it's a, it would be a huge economic boom. Michigan holds leverage on this because Michigan has the most restricted airspace, number one, of any state in the country. Uh, number two, uh, the area that we'd be looking to put the launch facility is north of the 45th parallel. Uh, why that's significant is anything north of the 45th parallel, you can launch it toward the poles. Uh, that, North Pole. That's so that like north of north. Gaylord, maybe? North of Gaylord, say? Yeah, well, they're looking kind of toward the Alpina, Oswego area. Uh, sort of that would be sort of where they would be looking to, to do this. There, there's a lot of places that have thrown their hat in for, for this launch port. Uh, so I'm not, I can't say for sure, but it, it will be north of the 45th parallel. Where this would hopefully be significant to metropolitan Detroit is uh, this will need a command center. Uh, for this to, to happen. And, uh, you know, there are plenty of places here in Metro Detroit that would be ideal for this. Uh, Selfridge uh, being one of them would be an ideal uh, spot for this. Wherever the command center is is going to attract a lot of the aerospace business because the way this is being looked at from a federal perspective is this is sort of a Midwest uh, launch aerospace initiative, you know, based on this idea of, of uh, whoever gets to space first you know, we want America to be the one that, that gets to space uh, because of the economic opportunity there. And this idea that these satellites are going to be needed in the future, in fact, right now there's already a backlog of 10,000 launches without infrastructure to launch these satellites. And then you throw in the autonomous vehicle portion of it. You know, Michigan has been the auto center, and that's what we want to keep it, the auto center. But now all the companies are coming out and saying they're moving toward autonomous. Well, these cars won't be able to work without satellites because they won't be able to communicate with one another. So if we're able to kind of center this, this um, low-Earth orbit satellite launching in Michigan, it's very likely that we'll keep the auto right here as well. Well, l- let me ask you, what is needed for the Michigan legislature about this? And have you been able to engage your fellow senators in the importance of this project? What about the governor's office? Yeah, my, my understanding, and uh, I'm working with a group, and you, you probably learn a lot more uh, speaking to the president of the Mich- Michigan Aerospace Manufacturers Association, but my understanding is that both Republicans and Democrats are very, very uh, bought into this. So this is something that I can reach across the aisle right away and work with the Democrats on making happen for Michigan, uh, obviously because you throw in the auto component to it. Uh, the governor is aware of this. That's my understanding. Uh, in fact, the... Um, Law firm Warner, Norcross, and Judd is helping figure out what's needed in terms of the language to, to get the legislator to, to help with this. Uh, we did get some money uh, for vetting the location for this, but not much is needed really from the legislator because this is a lot of private industry investment. Uh, my understanding, talking to the, the MAMA group, is that there's already $800 million worth of private investment that uh, is committed to this. Well, if this gets off the ground. Are there jobs in this for the state of Michigan? Yeah, my understanding is about 1,200. Uh, and these are also higher paying jobs, the aerospace industry. And then, uh, and, and it would, my, my thought too, when you throw education into it, and I've met with a lot of the uh, Macomb Intermediate School Districts, is there's a big push for cybersecurity and for aerospace. And there's a big push in my own 
uh, understanding of when I was, was trying to get people to understand the importance of skilled trades. And now you start talking about Michigan being the aerospace center of the country. You're going to have a lot of kids and a lot of universities, and they're going to want to be here, uh, particularly in Metro Detroit, if we're able to get this command center within that vicinity. That's where a lot of the kids aren't going to want to leave here. Okay. You've now got your committee assignments, and you've got to look at a whole bunch of other issues, uh, issues that transcend the 10th Senate District, like auto insurance rate reform, so forth and so on. How are you looking at the challenge ahead for you and what you want to concentrate on in the Senate? Well, we know it's a challenge, and uh, but we also know that Michigan is now ranked 50 in roads, <laughs> and we have the highest auto insurance rate. So I, it's completely understandable that that would become the number one priority for the Senate. Um, I'm totally on board with my caucus, and uh, i like to uh, work with them and, and make sure that we get this figured out. Uh, there's some antiquated... You know, in terms of roads in, in a district like mine, uh, obviously there's some antiquated uh, variables to that. Obviously looking at areas with higher traffic, uh, my area in particular, I have Mountain Road and I've got Hall Road. Certainly we need uh, definite help in that area. In terms of education and career readiness, I, I think that the focus on skilled trades is going to be critical moving forward. Uh, that, And you know, I'll give you a specific example of something involving cybersecurity. Uh, I mean, there are jobs out there right now that are paying uh, almost $200,000 a year, and uh, there are no kids that they can find qualified to do the work. And we're seeing that all across the board. So that's definitely going to be a big priority of mine. Yeah, let me just uh, <clears throat> close by asking you about your dog. Don't you have a dog uh, named, what's the name of that dog, Gizmo? Yep, Gizmo our little uh, rescue, Lhasa Apsa. Well, did you know that there is another legislator, Representative Alex Garza of Taylor, who has a dog named Gizmo? It's a I po- did not know that. It's a Pomeranian, <laughs> and uh, all you need to do, I think, to get a caucus going in Lansing is find, you know, maybe one or two more that have dogs named Gizmo, and you can have a Gizmo caucus. That's going to be that. You know what? The minute I get back to Lansing, I'm going to reach out to him, and, and we're going to. That's a good. Thank you for that. That's a great idea. Okay. Listen, and I my, want my wife would like it. She'd love it. I want to thank Senator Mike McDonald for a tremendous conversation about uh, his background and his uh, idea about making Michigan the Cape Canaveral of the North, and about his challenges. In the state Senate, he's got incredible opportunity. Thank you very much, Senator Mike McDonald. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, If this moves along, I'll I'll keep you posted on everything. Please do. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back with another special guest and he is state representative jason wentworth of the 97th house district which is a district that includes all of aranac claire and gladwin counties and major part of osceola county is that correct representative wentworth yes that is correct thanks for being with us um you got a very important assignment this week from the Speaker of the House, Lee Chatfield, to be chair of a new, what I'd call ad hoc, meaning for a specific purpose and time, 
a new committee specifically tasked with crafting a lasting solution to the state's highest in the nation car insurance premiums. A solution which hopefully will offer for the first time in decades affordability for all Michigan drivers. So I'd just like to ask you, uh, how did you come to get this assignment? Um, and uh, what do you foresee going forward? I know the members of the committee, I think, were also just appointed this week, and maybe you could go over that. Right, yeah, under Speaker Chatfield's leadership, uh, you know, was appointed incredible honor to, uh, to serve on this committee as the chairman. And, uh, you know, what basically from the previous session and the sessions before this, um, we've had a, a, usually a solution before we even get started. Uh, with a deliberative process and deliberation and committees. And um, and so what Speaker Chatfield has decided to do is create a special committee and focus on deliberation, focus on the process, and, you know, the solutions will come with, you know, everybody coming to the table, uh, stakeholders and other members and constituents and, and uh, you know, Michigan drivers. And we will come up with a solution that will be long-lasting, will, re- you know, reduce our rates, uh, in the state of Michigan and, and make us more, you know, competitive and, and more uh, in line with other states. Why, in your opinion, has this been such a tough issue to deal with for the Michigan legislature over the last several decades? I mean, what is standing in the way of getting Michigan auto insurance rates down to a tolerable level? You know, it's it's a it's a real complex issue. It involves so many aspects of of uh, you know just detail in in legislation and and uh, in the law that sometimes people get bogged down in the in the, in the super finite details. Um, you know what what I want the focus of our committee to be is on the process to which we come up with a solution uh, for drivers. And I think in the past there's been solutions you know presented. Uh, you know, bills have been introduced, and then the process starts with the deliberation on those bills. What I want to do is create a process where people are educated, new freshman legislators coming in, uh, have time to study the issue, have time to talk to their constituents um, and stakeholders to really get a better understanding of what it is that is the main issues, why we pay the most, you know, the highest rates in the country. Isn't so, one of the big problems that Michigan is the only state with this unlimited catastrophic coverage for, you know, severe injuries. I mean, literally running into millions of dollars and because of this no cap, uh, it just drives up the rate for everybody else in the state. And yet when you try and get rid of this, no cap or, or put a cap on it, let's put it that way, get a cap of some sort. It can be a very high cap. Uh, you get a lot of resistance, a lot of pushback from a lot of people who literally would have been bankrupted uh, because of catastrophic injury. How do you get around that? Well, I think that's one of the, the potential, you know, things we're going to look at, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, which is, you know, it's not just one thing that drives up our rates. Everything plays into why we pay the highest rates in the country. So that was that is part of the discussion when, you know, we are the only state in the country that has an unlimited, um, you know, that mandates them, that you purchase unlimited PIP coverage. Uh, so I think part of the conversation needs to be around how do we address protecting that benefit for those that have been catastrophically injured 
and even protect that benefit for those that want to purchase an unlimited, you know, medical uh, PIP coverage in their insurance. So I think all of that is on the table. We have to, to dig into to each of those issues uh, individually and, and find a solution that's a compromise. Um, I have, you know, my personal opinion uh, is that I have, you know, no intentions on, you know, getting rid of a benefit for somebody that's, that's paid into a system that's receiving that unlimited benefit. I want to protect that. And I think most of my, my colleagues want to do the same. That's not all my colleagues want to protect that benefit. So it's how do we protect that benefit? How do we offer, uh, you know, residents of Michigan a choice in their auto coverage like they have the choice in any other aspect of their life to purchase a product or not, not mandated by the government to do so. So, but how do we get there with a compromise, to your point? Um, what's been the barriers? Who's came to the table? And, and quite honestly, you know, the entire process, uh, if somebody has, a solution or they want to be solutions-based, solutions-oriented, they're welcome at the table. Um, but I, I don't want to tolerate um, anybody who, who just wants to put up a barrier after barrier after barrier. We've had that in the past. Uh, it's time to move on. Michigan residents deserve reform. When you say there are a whole host of issues that drive up the rates here in Michigan, not just the fact that we have no cap on catastrophic claims, uh, what are some of the other issues driving up rates? You know, I think one of the biggest things when we talk about insurance reform is is fraud, fraud in the system. And, and you know, it's not just people that are driving without insurance, whether they, you know, can't afford it or they just choose to drive without it. Um, it's not just that. It's the whole host of, of fraud opportunities because there's so much money in the system when it comes to, um, you know, even from the hospital side and, and long-term care side. And um, it, so there, there's just a lot of, of, of uh, reasons why people want to commit fraud and, and how they commit fraud. So we need to make sure we're taking a look at every angle from a fraud perspective. Um, the other side is, you know, uh, like a fee schedule. So if, uh, you know, you, you go to the emergency room, one of the first questions they ask you, were you injured in an automobile accident? They have a different fee, you know, that they charge or a service if you were injured in an auto accident than they do if you were injured anywhere else, uh, whether it was on the job, whether it was you slipped and fell at your house or, you know, on a sidewalk. Um, so we got to address that. We have to, and again, you know, everything is on the table. Um, if, if we can get rate reduction without a fee schedule or we can get rate reduction with, uh, you know, a modified fee schedule, I'm open to every solution that somebody has to bring to the table but I'm not going to tolerate somebody putting up a barrier just because they don't want reform. We need reform in the state of Michigan. Do you think this can be solved uh, totally by the legislature itself with a signature and the governor? Uh, or do you think it may have to go to a vote of the people or maybe some choice between the two? So I may, but maybe, you know, maybe naive in the sense that you know, I've, I've been a legislator for one term and going into my second term, but, I really feel like this may be the perfect storm of opportunity for us with, you know, um, Governor Whitmer uh, as, as the governor, um, you know, the under Speaker Chatfield and Senate Majority Leader Shirky. Uh, they're providing excellent leadership on this issue. Uh, we are working together, and um, my colleagues on both sides of the aisle really want to see a solution come from the people, you know, that, that represent the people of Michigan, um, you know, in the Michigan legislature. That's where the, issue, the result should come from. The solution, um, but so I'm fully confident that we're going to be able to come to to a consensus and get something to the governor's desk. 
When I look at the members of your committee, I'll just tick them off rapidly. The vice chair is Representative Dare Rendon of Lake City. She's a Republican. The minority vice chair is Representative Donna Lasinski of Sio Township, just outside of Ann Arbor, uh, Democrat. There is Representative Lynn Affendoulis, a Republican of Grand Rapids Township, Representative Kyra Bolden of Southfield, a Democrat. There is Representative Ben Frederick, a a Republican from Owasso, uh, Representative Bo Lafave of Iron Mountain, a Republican, Representative Terry Sabo of Muskegon, a Democrat, and Representative Karen Whitsett of Detroit, a Democrat. Uh, were these people put on the committee for any particular reason? Yeah, I'll, yeah, we, we I'll tell you at, what, you know, before, before uh, you answer that, uh, we're going to have to take a short break. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we'll address that. Okay. Sure. This is MTN and you're listening to the political insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We are back with Representative Jason Wentworth. He is a second-term Republican in the Michigan House of Representatives. He represents the 97th House District, which includes Aranac, Clare, and Gladwin counties, and most of Osceola County. Uh, he has been named chair of a special committee uh, to look at how we can reduce Michigan's highest-in-the-nation car insurance premiums. And uh, I just had asked Representative Wentworth before we went on break about the other members of his committee and uh, to get his reaction of how they came to be selected for this committee. I don't know whether they volunteered or whether they were just told you're serving on this committee, whether you like it or not. What do you think? Yeah, to be honest, uh, to that point, I think anybody in the Michigan legislature probably wanted to serve on this committee uh, based on the fact that this is one of the most pressing issues facing our state. Um, and I know a lot of people requested to be on the committee. A lot of people have a very, um, you know, large interest in getting this accomplished for, for uh, you know, Michigan drivers. But particularly these committee members that were chosen by Speaker Chatfield, you know, we looked at all kinds of angles with, uh, you know, geographical location, um, you know, maybe where they were in the past, as far as um, on the issue. So, you know, we had, uh, in last term, we had 50, House Bill 5013 uh, sponsored by Representative Tice, and we had another package introduced, uh, uh, basically spearheaded by Representative Ben Frederick. And, you know, we have people from both sides of those uh, bills or on those policies on the committee. You know, it's not a what some would call a stacked committee uh, in support of a certain type of reform versus another type of reform. Uh, it's a 5-4 Republican-Democrat split, so it's a very close committee. Um, you know, I made it clear to Speaker Chaffield that you know, I want to be at the table with people who have solutions. You know, I might not agree with their opinion or their view. I'm okay with that because we need to get to a point where we can compromise uh, for the people. And so I want to make sure that uh, we, we have people on the committee that were diverse, both geographically and on our views and our opinions. Representative Wentworth, let me ask you, uh, what about the Senate side? I think they have taken a slightly different and more traditional approach to tackling this issue. They're as 
committed as you are and the House is to trying to get down auto insurance rates, but they are having uh, a bill introduced by uh, freshman state senator, former representative Eric Nesbitt, a Republican from Van Buren County. And uh, as I understand it, it's probably going to go to a, a committee, the insurance committee or the counterpart in the Senate chaired by uh, former state representative, new Senator uh, Lana Tice uh, from Livingston County, who worked very hard in the House on auto insurance rate reform when she was a member and, of course, couldn't get it done. Nobody could. Um, have you talked to them? Uh, because you're you're in a really unique situation. I mean, I, this is the first time I have ever seen a special standalone committee which has only one assignment, and that is auto insurance rate reform, and that's your sole task in the House. And as soon as that gets done, assuming or hoping it gets done, the committee dissolves, right? It's not a permanent standing committee. So how do you look at that whole picture? Yeah, that's correct. So I'm very excited to see the Senate, uh, you know, Senate Bill 1 and, you know, Senate Majority Leader Shirky take a stance and say, you know what, this is a priority of ours. Um, he's also talked about having a deliberative process. You know, um, she, the, the Senate Bill 1, if you, you know, look through it, it's a, it's a basic, uh, you know, thought of saying, listen, we want to reform Michigan, you know, auto no-fault, and we want to, uh, you know, reduce rates, and that's our goal. But they want to deliver the process as well. So to see Senator Nesbitt introduce that, I'm excited. Uh, Senator Nesbitt obviously has a lot of experience on tough issues. He, he led the energy package last term, or two terms ago, um, was very successful at that. So I was, uh, you know, very excited to see him take the lead on this over in the Senate and, uh, you know, to work together on a, on, a, on a real process to come up with a solution that we can, you know, compromise on and get this governor's desk. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see that. Let me ask you a question about the power of the insurance industry. I realize that it's probably uh, a little bit uh, misleading and disingenuous to describe it as a monolithic industry. It has many component parts, but how much power do they have compared to what the state uh, can impose on the insurance industry? Let's put it that way. And if the state uh, meaning the legislature and governor comes up with some kind of what they perceive as a solution um, and signs it into law, is it possible there could be lawsuits filed by component parts of the insurance industry against it in courts saying this is uh, unconstitutional, you can't force us to do this? Uh, how do you look at all that? You know, I don't, I'm not really, um, honestly, not really concerned about what will happen after the fact. What I'm concerned about is, is the deliberative process, bringing those stakeholders in um, and discussing with them. And on, quite honestly, I've talked to a lot of these stakeholders throughout the last couple of years while, while serving on the insurance committee. And it's interesting because, you know, people always point to insurance companies as kind of the culprit of our, of our rising insurance costs. And, and now, mind you, they are a player in that, in that, uh, in that game. However, it, like I said before, it's a combination of all industries. Um, there's a lot of money in this system. And there's a lot of industries profiting um, you know, greatly on this system, on the backs of you know, Michigan drivers. So it's not just insurance companies. Uh, insurance companies are at the table, and they have been at the table, and they've been a, a, a player that has been willing to compromise and understand that we need to reform our insurance rates so, you know, to, to, to drive down rates. But uh, so you got to look at all the industries. So you know, I, I don't think that um, at this point, 
my colleagues and I are worried about what will happen after the fact. We just want to make sure that they're, they have a seat at the table along with every, every other industry that wants to, to talk about solutions and, and come up with a plan to, to fix this once and for all. So uh, that's, I think, what most of the committee members have, have their mindset. Representative Wentworth, let me ask you also, um, you got a lot on your plate, I think. Uh, aren't you also a member of the regular uh, Standing Insurance Committee, also Military Veterans Homeland Security Committee, Oversight Committee, Regulatory Reform Committee. And, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but aren't you also the Speaker Pro Tem? Yeah, no, so um, <laughs> I am a Speaker Pro Tem. I was elected that by my colleagues. It's, it's an incredible honor. The But the other committees, um, those aren't my committees. I actually just serve on the special committee uh, appointed by the Speaker, and then I serve on Ways and Means. Oh, so previously okay. I, I was on uh, military and veterans affairs. Previously I was on insurance, but oh, this new, okay. yeah, this new term I'll be on just ways and means in this special committee. Well, thank goodness. I was getting worried there, representative. I <laughs> so mean, how I. could I you like, get it I'm all done? done? Oh <laughs> my God. Yeah. You got enough to do without all this other stuff. Uh, by the way, let me just ask you, uh, you're a graduate of, I think, uh, St. Petersburg college. Is that in Florida? It is in Florida. Yeah. After I got out of the military, uh, my wife and I moved to Florida. And uh, I, that's where I got my undergrad. Sounds like a great place to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then what, what brought you back up? Did you start out in Michigan? Did, were you raised in Michigan? I was. Yeah, my wife and I born and raised in Farwell, um, and, which is where we live now. So, you know, after the military, we kind of moved around. During the military, I actually moved around. But uh, we always try to work our way back to Michigan. So um, now we're, here we are. That's fantastic. So you really have got uh, a lot of. Uh, irons in the fire there. Uh, what are some of the other issues that you see coming up in the House that you're going to be really concerned about if you have any time for them? Yeah, no, I think uh, a couple of the bills that were introduced uh, recently, uh, the pension tax repeal, um, b- big for my district, my constituents. Yeah, um, explain think- that a little bit. Uh, this this emanated uh, from uh, the spring of 2011 when uh, Governor Rick Snyder came in and, and got the removal of the exemption on the pension tax, right? And, right. And correct. now and now there's a big move to restore that exemption, right? Correct. Yep. And uh, I fully support it. Uh, very happy with Representative Bellino's approach on this. You know, it's time to, to make it right. And, um, you know, I, I hit a lot of doors in my district and across the state helping, you know, candidates. And it came up quite often on the doors. And, you know, along with, I don't know, fault, obviously, but uh, the pension reform is something that I'm going to um, get behind and, and try to get that done. What else? Other issues? Yeah, I also have, you know, being from the veteran community and working with veterans before I got, you know, the uh, opportunity to serve in the House. I have a lot of uh, ideas on how to improve veteran services across the state, um, access and, and uh, remove some barriers. So. I had some bills get through the House last term, didn't make it through the Senate. I'm hoping to, to re, you know, initiate those bills and get them, get them done because uh, time moves quickly in the uh, legislative calendar and you gotta, you got to stay on top of things. Uh, it absolutely does. Listen, we could go on talking forever. I just hope that your duties as Speaker Pro Tem don't detract too much from your time that you can devote to some of these issues. What do you think? Oh, I agree. You know, I have great committee members that will help, uh, help work through this process. So. That's fantastic. Listen, thank you so much, Representative Jason Wentworth of the 97th House District. You've been a great guest. 
and uh, good luck with auto insurance rate reform. Thank you. Let's get it done. Let's get it done.